Um, but yeah, if you're a guest with us, we'd love to connect with you uh, through a connection card. Um, and, and make sure to drop that off at the table in the back, and, and we have a gift for you there. Uh, there we go. There we go. Um, but yeah, it is the, the first week of school, so I hope everybody has adjusted and, um, you know, settled in and that uh, the signs of kind of the summer uh, are, are really getting there. You know, the weather still isn't quite there, but uh, I've talked to many of you guys where you're settling into classes, uh, into uh, new rhythms. I think the coffee shops are going to start to uh, fill with students studying. Campuses are going to start to get crowded again. Um, pray, uh, PSLs are back, pumpkin spice lattes. So we've al already grabbed several, several of those. Um, several of us are doing some fantasy football and some leagues, and the sun is starting to come down a little bit sooner. Um, but as we transition, we kind of recognize that as a church. Like we recognize as we transition back into kind of this fall season of, of life kind of coming back into some regular rhythms around school and our jobs, uh, we, we regularly want to take this moment to remind ourselves of what God's called us into. That's the whole purpose of this series called We Are the Church. It's an opportunity for us to just step back for a moment and be like, God, what, what are we called into? What is our, our vision? What's our purpose as, as a local church here in Philadelphia in Fishtown? And so we do this about once a year. And if you've been moving through the book of Joshua, man, it's been exciting. God's shaping us through that story, through that narrative. Um, so don't be alarmed. We will jump right back into that. Um, and in like three weeks, we'll be back in the book of Joshua. But even in Joshua, we see, uh, even in just the few chapters we're in, there's these moments where God calls him to set these stones of memorial, right? He knows that we need reminders. He knows that we forget so quickly um, what God is doing, where we're headed, what he's called us into. And so that's kind of our little way here. Uh, a way I've always heard it is our, our vision bucket is always leaking. We're always needing to be reminded of what God is doing and where we're headed together. Um, and so we couldn't be more excited about um, Andrew and I and, and each of us excited about God, what God's doing right here. And I thought I, I, I would explain it in, in this way, um, kind of this idea that sometimes I think this idea of, of church, community, what God calls us into, the beauty of that can kind of be lost a little bit. Um, how many of you have ever watched the show Antique Roadshow? Um, it, it might be something where you're flipping and you just randomly kind of come up on it and you're like, okay, this seems a little boring, but it is exciting. There is uh, this idea, this idea that there are treasures out there that we are missing, that that someone picks something randomly up at a yard sale, or there's been this, this old rug hanging in somebody's uh, room that's been passed down in their family, oftentimes a painting, and it's this treasure that's just sitting there, and these people will bring it to these appraisers on the Antique Roadshow, and they will assess, is this thing worth value? Is this, or is this thing like worth a few cents? Oftentimes, you just don't know which way it's going to go. Um, and so in 2012, I was looking up, uh, there'll be a, a picture of it on the screen, but this man brought in this old painting. And you can see it, it's this painting of a worker in, in Mexico, and, and it had been passed down um, in his family for, you know, uh, several years. And so he had it. And he tells the story that it, it was kind of just sitting on the back of a door in his house. 
and it was sitting on the back of the door. And when the door would open, um, nobody would see it because it's just on, the, you know, in between the door and the wall. And the only way you really see it is if the door is closed and you're in that room. And so it's kind of this, just like sitting around, not really having this, this value or appreciation or seen as a treasure. And he brings this thing in and it turns out that this was a painting from 1904. It turns out that maybe some of you, um, you know, uh, artists in here might know. It turns out this is painting by Diego Rivera. And I guess he was an influential uh, painter uh, in Mexico. And it turns out that this was a painting that he painted when he was 18. So when he was younger in his like growth as a as an artist, and it like really kind of was a painting that would be a foundation for the, the techniques that he would use through the rest of his um, creating art. And so this held a tremendous value and the appraiser was like, you got to try factor. <laughs> she said, you have a painting that is by an important artist. It's got an important history and it's beautiful. Like it's intact. And uh, as we all know that that's the edge of the seat moment. Okay. That's when you're like, okay, can we get to like, how much is this thing worth? And that, that's the best part of the show. Cause, cause they're like, they come in thinking this is worth something. And they're like, and it's $2. But there are moments where, where they look and, and they appraised it for $800,000 to a million dollars. And it's gone up since that time. I don't know if he sold it at this point or not, but you, you, you get what I'm saying. There was this treasure, this beautiful painting, this beautiful thing that, that was overlooked. It was sitting in his home. Um, and finally, he gets to see the, the worth of what it really was. And I think what I would say is there's... Also, when it comes to doctrines uh, in Scripture, sometimes there's doctrines like the church that I think we can look at, we can understand. It's got an important history. There's so much worth in what uh, we can understand about what God's instituted in the church. There's so much value and beauty that I think is underappreciated. Um, whether it's our poor experiences, our hurt, sometimes our unbiblical approaches to what Christian community looks like, or anything else, I think we can miss out that it is God-designed, that it's, it's God-breathed, that's God-empowered. It's a treasure for us to, to experience because Christ is at the center of it, that it's a way in which we get to be part of his kingdom. Now, go, don't get me wrong. I understand that, that church, that, that God calling people together in many ways can be difficult, can be a struggle. It's not always perfect. We, we still struggle with sin. Our relationships can be a lot of work and they can be messy. In the books of the Bible, the letters in New Testament to the churches, they show us that. Like, they're not perfect. They don't have everything figured out. But God is at work among them. I, I just wonder today if I were to say, fill in the blank, the church is, like, what would you, what would you insert there? And I just, I say that knowing that may, may we come in with so many different views of that, so many answers. And so my heart and our heart is that we would see that the church of God is, is a beautiful gift. It's truly uh, a way in which God designed us to walk in relationship with him and with others. The way God describes the church, what I want, really want to get at is if, if we were to take scripture, and we're just survey, we don't have all that time to do that all today, but the symbolism and the words in which God uses to describe the people gathered, the, his, his family, is, is stunning. You know, we, we can look in Scripture, and even in Jesus' words, he says, Upon this rock, I will build my church. Like Jesus takes 
the church and, and the people of God personally and seriously. So much so that he describes the church as the bride of Christ. That, that Jesus as the groom is one day returning for his people that he's called into relationship with him only through the work that he's done. So much so that he would liken it to his bride. That he loves, loves his church deeply. And he gave his life for her, it says in scripture, that the church is the body of Christ, that literally Christ is embodied through the way that we live, through the way that we come together, through the way that he empowers us to live in this gathered community, that we are literally an extension to the world around us, his hands and his feet. It says in the passages we're going to be in today that the church is like a temple. It's a building in which God's presence dwells. We're living stones being built up into a spiritual house. The church is unified from every tribe and every nation. It truly is global. It's universal. It's, it says that one day when Christ returns and in the end of this age, that it will be made up of all nations and tribes and tongues of all people, that we would be described as citizens of his kingdom, as a chosen race, as a royal priesthood, as a holy nation, as a people for God's possession, as a light for the world, as a pillar and a buttress of truth, ambassadors, like we're an embassy that represents what God is doing to restore all of humanity into himself. You see, the, the church and what God is doing, it's important because it's what Jesus established. It has value in its history and purpose. So that's what we're going to talk today. Um, Martin Lloyd-Jones kind of summarizes what I'm saying very well. He says, our greatest need is to recapture the New Testament teaching concerning the church. If only, if only we could see ourselves in terms of it, we would realize that we are the most privileged people on earth, that there is nothing to be compared with being a Christian and a member of the mystical body of Christ. So today I, I'm, I'm going to teach this main idea, or three points we're going to teach that, that the church is founded in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's united by the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it's, we're called to display the gospel. Let's pray. God, we thank you that um, your word is a lamp unto our feet. It guides us, God, that it is truth for us, that um, God, this morning, what's already been represented in this place is a gathering of people singing loudly to the glory of the name of Jesus, that we are united this morning um, because of you, that you have made a way for us to, to be restored into relationship with you, that, that we can pray to you in this moment, that you hear our every word that you care deeply for us. May the words of scripture that we've even just talked about, the way that you describe those that you've called into relationship with you and therefore into relationship with one another into the church is, is stunning. It's beautiful. I pray that we would um, have, a, have a vision that you have uh, for us, that we would capture that beauty in our hearts, that we get to be part of, um, man, something so beautiful um, because of your grace towards us. God, thank you for the way that you got us through scripture and this time together. In your name, amen. One of my, um, uh, where we're going to go today is in, in the book of Ephesians. It is uh, a book in the New Testament 
Uh, it's a letter to the church of Ephesus, and it is one of those books for me in my uh, Christian walk that just screams encouragement. Um, it, it tells us so much of the beauty that we've been called into when it comes to uh, what Christ has done for us, but also the unity that we get to have as followers of Jesus. And so this letter is to uh, the church of Ephesus, and, and Paul is reminding the people, if you were to start in chapter 1, it is just this beautiful language um, describing the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. I encourage you this week, just, just walk through the, the six chapters of Ephesians, maybe in your quiet time, take time, just be just filled with encouragement by um, the, the reminders of, of where we were and what God has done. And it, it is Paul describing the new kind of community that we're called into, that the, the world around them would change. In, in chapter 1, he encourages them of the mystery and the treasure, treasure, the inheritance that we have in the saving work of Christ. And he prays like this prayer of thanksgiving over the church. Like he prays um, in a way that I think we could learn from. So even this week, maybe you're just praying this, this prayer, these words that Paul has in the end of chapter 1. He says that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe? And so that's the way chapter one ends. It's just this heart of a, of a, of a fellow brother for a, a pastor for, for this church. He's praying that they would understand the depths of God's love for them. And in chapter two, he's reminding them of, of who they once were what they've experienced through the grace in Jesus, that God saves us from our sins in a way that um, through the work of Christ brings people together, that we're not restored only to God, but because we're brought into the family of God, that because we're, we're called sons and daughters of God, now we get to look to our left and to our right, and we're restored into relationship with others and to those around us. Now we have brothers and sisters in Christ. And so that's where we're going to uh, pick up today is in Ephesians 2, uh, verse 19 through 22. And my first point is the church is founded on the gospel. The church is founded on the gospel. It says in verse 19, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So as we read a, a passage like that, obviously we are kind of like diving in. Um, into the middle of this passage. And anytime that we read uh, the word so then in scripture, you just got to read, that's kind of like a, hey, this, uh, this is happening because. So if that, then this. And so we're, we're reading here, so then, and what that so then means is because Christ and his, uh, his life and his blood has been shed so that you've been brought into the family of God, um, now you get to, the, to not only be strangers and aliens to one another, but you are citizens of the kingdom. That because the gospel, because the work of Christ happened, the church now exists. You see, the church isn't something that we come up with. It's not something man-made. It's not something that just started um, here a few years ago. The church is something that started in Christ alone. 
that our inclusion in God's church is only by his grace through faith and his work on the cross and his resurrection, his, his blood being shed, God pursuing us and sending his son and then the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, the church arises from the gospel. It's a product of God's gracious work. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. I don't think we walk in this morning or in these opportunities of community with brothers and sisters in Christ often enough and realize that there was a price that was paid for us to experience this. That, that the cost for us to be brought into, into the church was not cheap, that Christ shed his blood. He laid down his life. I think we often too much take the grace of what that means for granted, the things that we get to experience. And every time we step into community together, it can be a visible reminder of the magnitude of the work of God through Christ to restore all people to himself. Verse 20, it says, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Um, this is something God was paving for a long time. <laughs> I think if you were to, to walk in here this morning and say, hey, Brian, how long has this church been here? Uh, how long have you been in F Fishtown, Philadelphia? I would say, you know, I would tell you two or three years. We're, we're a younger church. But what, what I would more importantly get to, to say, and what, what I don't think we think about often enough, is that there, we are part of a legacy of, of God's church that has, has been around for over 2,000 years. That, that we are, yes, a new church community here in Fishtown, but we are part of the, the grander thing that God has been doing um, through Christ and, and through the start of the church. We look all the way back as it says here that it, there's a foundation that was laid that even in our study of the book of Joshua, that God was calling a people to follow him, to be his people, the children of Israel, and, and, and that God promised that through them, that the, the multitudes, that, that the world would be blessed, that God would bring all people to himself. And so it began there with the children of Israel. And then we see in the scriptures that there's these prophets that proclaim the, the, the Messiah would one day come and be the true sacrifice that would make a way and, and um, make available all people to come to faith in Jesus, that, the, the, that Jesus would come, that he would die on the cross, that he would um, give his life, and, and, but that he would, he would rise again, and that people would respond, that the God, God would then um, fill them with the Holy Spirit, that in the book of Acts we see that as people proclaim what Jesus had done, and, and confessed of their sins that the Holy Spirit began moving in people's hearts and bringing them into um, the, first, um, uh, the first expression of the God's church. It's beautiful. And so the church began, and it's exciting that we get to be part of that legacy. It says, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. So if you've seen God uses this like imagery for the church, like in all kinds of ways. And one of the, the most helpful ones I think is, is like a building, is like a, a, a structure being constructed. Uh, I love when God's word is timeless, that we still uh, build things, whether it be the Jenga um, little bricks that I, I was building with Maggie this week or actual legit construction projects maybe some of you are doing. Uh, the most recent one for me had, was a playhouse for my girls. Um, and I was way over my head. I did not really know what I was doing, but just kind of entered into it, struggled into it. 
Um, but what I learned very quickly is this idea of, of the foundation, um, that you, um, that, that, that what the foundation, uh, how that is built really determines how the rest of the structure will, will stand. That if you just kind of like, I was honestly at the beginning of the scene kind of whimsically like, oh, I'll just put, you know, some beams here and, and just, you know, try to screw this, this piece of wood to this piece of wood and, and I'll get there and figure it out. Uh, my dad's here in the back. It, only when he drove from Indianapolis to come and actually help me set this, the foundation to set the joists to actually get the floor down was I able to even begin to build the rest of, of the playhouse. And you can see that that very early stage, that was me just kind of like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Dad, can you help me out? Mm -hmm. And then this stage, he comes and, and we build and we measure and we took time. We, we considered every corner. We considered the length of every single uh, four by four there. And, and by God's grace, we got a level floor. And then by the end, I was able to then fill in the rest because it was straight, because we took time with the measurements, because the foundation was set. It was such a good reminder for me when we read passages like this of the importance of what we stand upon, what we center ourselves on, as we sang this morning, really, really matters. It really, really matters that this, this cornerstone that was a foundational stone as they built uh, projects back then, it was usually placed at the corner of the building, uh, whatever they were constructing, that it would guide the builders through the rest of their course. Like it was typically the largest, most sturdy um, stone or solid rock, and it was carefully placed. They took time. They made sure that it was where it needed to be. Because once that was set, it was the basis for determining the measurement for everything else, for the remaining construction. It, what we really are saying is everything was aligned to it. Um, and so when we say Christ is our cornerstone, that Christ is the foundation of the church, what we're saying is Christ is our aim. Christ is the only reason, as I've been saying, that the church exists. By his blood, he's purchased a way for us to, to be brought into the family of God. And he, is, he continues to be the aim in which we measure everything. We enjoy the presence of God through him. It says in Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, um, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up of the body of Christ. And here, listen to this. This is, um, this is measure language. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. What he's saying is we can so easily be knocked off our feet. We can so easily be, be just, just thrown off by poor doctrine, by, by the waves of life. But rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. You could say into him who is the foundation, into him who is the cornerstone, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body so grow so that it builds itself up in love. 
That's our longing that we would grow into Christ's likeness, that our aim isn't to, to just pack this room with as many people as possible, that our, our aim isn't just um, to serve just to serve. Like we, we love to serve our community, but, but man, in serving that we actually get to re represent and be the hands of Christ, that we get to, to more and more look like he looked as he walked on this earth, as he served and cared for and, and, and brought people into his kingdom. You see, when the church veers from, from this pursuit of, of knowing and being with Jesus and being like him and becoming like him, we miss the point. Whether it be pursuing fame or selfish desire or wealth or influence, building a brand, community for community's sake. So we have to keep the main thing the main thing. We are a church measuring ourselves in Christ-likeness. Our vision uh, that we say is we are aiming to create a culture of discipleship and continue the legacy of Jesus. Creating a culture, culture of discipleship is in everything that we do, may we keep our discipleship to Jesus at the forefront. So when we serve, can we consider how does our serving together allow us to continue to grow in, in Christ-likeness? continue to know his presence in the midst of that. And so when we have city groups that meet and gather throughout the week, that it's not just so that we can um, enjoy fellowship, though that is a, a blessing of it, it's that we can come together in fellowship around the name of Jesus, around the power of his word, around the power of the Holy Spirit, and be shaped together into his likeness. So it's important that we know that's, that's a measure that we're aiming for. It brings God glory. So we feel called to teach all of our members, as we see in Ephesians 4, uh, everything that the Lord has commanded. That's why we're doing things like this core class coming up, that we could grow in understanding who God is and in, in being with him in the, in the doctrines of, of his word that are foundational so that we can continue to be like him. So as a part of this church, I would just ask, are you, is, is Christ-likeness your aim? Are we taking this, this process, this joy of discipleship, of following Jesus, of being obedient to him with all of our life, something that you are taking seriously. Is he the foundation upon which you're laying your life? So uh, one thing we would, we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks is, is our core values. What are the things that drive us towards this, this greater vision? And so one of those is the word. Drew's going to get to talk about that. The, the word of God is so essential to keeping Christ at the center, to, to knowing God through the scriptures. And so we, we do everything we can to make sure that we are seeking and consulting and following and, and preaching the word together. Point number two, the church is united by the gospel. Continue to read these verses again and, and think about that uh, idea. The church is united. It says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. See, God doesn't call us into Christ's likeness on our own, but, but by his grace, he, he allows us to do that alongside other believers. That as God draws us to himself, as we uh, place our faith in Jesus, he also draws us to relationship with others. If we're a son or daughter of God, we're also a brother and sister to others in Christ. 
I think it would do us well to reflect more often or as we walk into a gathering like this to, to say those words in our mind that this passage says that we're being built together, that we're in this process together, that there's this growth, this building, this aim to be uh, with Christ, to know Christ, to grow in his likeness, and that we get, are being built in that together, that it's not something that we're called to do in isolation. You can pray, God, how are you building us together in this season? What aspects of walking with you are you teaching us together? It's been cool recently just to really get to experience that as we've walked through the book of Joshua. I think a lot of us are just hearing similar themes come out of conversation, like, God, you're teaching us, like, truly to rest in you, to find your presence to be what drives everything else. I've heard um, so many of us just talk about, man, how is God calling us to simple obedience to those next steps in which we've been skipping. So it's been cool to see the way God shapes us together and speaks to one another um, as we as we hold dearly to God's word. The Greek word for church in the New Testament is ekklesia, which means a called out assembly of God. And so we see when we read again, you are fellow citizens and saints. That's exactly what it's saying. We can't get around this idea that Christian life is corporate. I think we obviously live in an individualistic society. I mean, you can walk down the streets oftentimes with Fishtown and we all have our headphones in and we're all looking at the ground. And sometimes we can truly just walk through our day and not talk to anyone. But we're called to embrace togetherness because he calls us into it. And it's a dis- power to display when people of all kinds of backgrounds, of all kinds of of upbringings, of all kinds of stories. When we come together as Christ puts us together, it is a beautiful display of his universal kingdom. You see, the church is something that is both universal and local. It's it's amazing. The church is something that um, all people that have been that have placed their faith in Jesus uh, throughout history or throughout our world right now, that we are all part of this like global family of God. That, that, that throughout history, that when, when God returns, that we are all united uh, and we will all be with him, praising him throughout eternity. You see, this past week, we, we got the chance to go to a, a conference with, with other churches throughout uh, the northeast region of uh, our country. And it was amazing just to, to step into a room, to sing songs, praising the name of Jesus like we just did this morning. And, and feel this unity, even though I really didn't know where uh, the brother or the sister next to me was from. I'd have to ask, what city are you in? Where are you coming from? But there were moments where, you know, someone, someone would just walk up, to, walk up to me, put their arm around me and pray. Just pray over my, my life, over our church. There's moments where we cried with people that uh, we probably won't ever meet again or see again. But there's just, just beauty that the, the church is global, that God's kingdom is something that um, universally anyone who's placed their faith in Jesus is part of, and we get to work together to see his kingdom continue to extend to the ends of the earth. See, it's bigger than our local congregation. It's grander. It's God's kingdom, his rule, and his reign all over. But God also calls us into the local church. That God also... Uh, as we look at the scriptures, we see it this way. There's the letters to the church in Ephesus, or there's letters to the church in Philippi, or there's letters 
to the church in Thessalonica, that God, um, while there is a, a global universal, he also knows that we need our, our brothers and sisters around us in our local community because he cares about the city that we're in and he wants us to grow in his likeness and be built together in the everyday normal moments of life. That I can call a brother in my city group or uh, here in this church throughout my week when I'm at this anxious moment when I feel so overwhelmed and, and I've lost sight of the power of God in whatever situation that is, I can call one of you up and know she can point me to truth. She can remind me that God is greater than the circumstances I'm in. That we can walk into our workplace and know that our fellow brothers and sisters in our city group are praying for that particular opportunity in our job or that particular difficult season that we're going through. Maybe the work environment's been crazy, but I know there's prayers by those that truly know me. See, there's this beauty that we step into things together. That God calls shepherds and, and pastors to, to be able to equip local congregations to follow Jesus and grow in Christ likeness. See, the beauty in, in, in Ephesians is, 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 is Paul describes how these walls of hostility between um, the Israelites and, and those that were Gentiles, those that weren't um, part of the nation of Israel, how, how God tore down these barriers and these things that divided and these things that got people angry with one another, the, the things that caused them to not see each other as truly um, fellow citizens that the gospel tears those walls down. And so God's church truly is like diverse, not only in our, um, in our race or our cultural experiences or our background, but also in our giftings. <laughs> that, trust me, I know I have weaknesses. And I've seen where the strengths of others around me in this church have allowed us to see God continue to do big things. That that we don't have to have and bring everything to the table, but that we get to see how, how God's gifted us with different uh, expressions and different giftings of the Spirit that allow us to, as one unified church to see Him just speak and move and do what He calls us to do. I love how God describes this unity in Ephesians 4. It says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Do you hear those words, bearing, eager, with everything? Like, like there's this like truly all in, leaning in to what God's called us into together, that we're not taking it lightly. There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And it's beautiful the way God calls us to togetherness. Unity is hard. <laughs> it's hard work. Can't be done in our own power. It truly is the spirit of God in us that allows that to happen. It truly is what we've learned as a young church, seeking God in prayer together. <laughs> we have to pray. We have to be before him constantly. 
Because you know what? We can all testify this. Satan's primary attack is to, to, to break up the unity of the church. Like he, he wants nothing more to divide us over the silliest of things, to, to cause fights over things that we never would have imagined. He wants to divide us. There's so many passages of scripture that just talk about the fight for unity. But by God's grace and his power, unity is possible. The spirit is, is more powerful than our enemy and we get to walk in it. You know, one way that I see Paul do that in the book of Ephesians, again, go and read the book this week. What he, what, one way he does that is he breaks down our pride. I think sometimes we walk into a room and we just think we've got it all figured out. What, what he does is he says, remember who you once were. Like, like, do you remember that you were walking literally like you were dead? Like, like you were full in trespasses and sin, impossible to come to me. But by my grace, by the power of Christ, by the work of Christ, by his foundation, you were able to come to faith and to new life through the blood of Christ. You see, at the cross, we are all humbled. At the cross, we all remember that we were once dead, but now we have life. At the cross, we remember that any gifting that we have, that anything we bring before God in worship, it's not something that, that we can do. It's something that he's given us and he empowers us to do. See, having that type of humility allows us to take joy in the giftings of those around us, to take joy in the strengths of those around us, to celebrate in our weakness because it gives opportunity for someone else's strengths. I love the imagery of um, what, what we have here in Philadelphia. As you drive past the Schuylkill River, you see the crew teams. Um, I've never done crew. I'm sure. I think, Dennis, you were crew, right? Yeah, you were crew. So Dennis could, could demonstrate for us a little bit better. But I read a book earlier in the summer um, called The Boys in the Boat. Incredible book. It's about these, um, these men who went to uh, the Olympics in, in the 1940s. Um, and I just highly recommend the book, but it really described this group of men who had completely different, different backgrounds, different strengths, different levels of, of power in their stroke. But it was all about how these men came together and as they, as they got into the boat, as they strapped into their, their rows, that they truly became one unit, that as they stroked and as they, um, as they paid attention to the person in front of them and the person behind them, that they found themselves to be able to almost like glide out of the water, to almost fly and, and be in complete harmony and in sync. But it required this, this humility and this laying down of, of trying to be the strongest or the best. I love this quote. It says, what mattered more then how hard a man rode was how well everything he did in the boat harmonized with what the other fellows were doing. And a man couldn't harmonize with his crewmates unless he opened his heart to them. He had to care about his crew. And so as we recognize, first of all, that the foundation is Christ, that at the cross, we are all on level playing ground. We enter into this, this church, this community, this assembly, in humility, 
we get into the boat. And we get this opportunity to pray together, to seek God's face together constantly and see what he does through that unity. And we get in the boat and we, and we read and we're devoted to God's word together. And we're shaped by his words. And we call out and we confess with one another. We're honest with one another. We care about the struggle of our brother or our sister so much that we're willing to walk through it with them. We get into the boat and we cry and we, and we grow and, and we contend for God's kingdom to continue to grow because we're one. As we pursue Christ, as we do that together, this Christian journey alongside one another, I just, I'll just ask, are we, are we taking that discipleship journey seriously of our fellow citizens? Are we praying for one another in a way that, that truly brings fruit in the life of others? We having intentionality in which we lean in and we really take time to hear someone's story. I think also we can think about it as that's kind of in the local church setting, but it's also exciting to see that, that we can do that, that we're unified with, again, the universal church that even next week I was invited to go into a room with local pastors throughout Philadelphia for us to pray together, for us to encourage each other, for us to cheer one another's churches on forward in, in the work that each are doing and being part of, that this togetherness is something that, that we get to experience throughout our city. So can we pray? Can we be praying for the block church? Can we be praying for Redemption City? Can we be, be praying for Liberty? Can we be praying for fill in the blank, whatever churches are laboring alongside us here in the city of Philadelphia? Because we're unified in the name of Jesus. I would just challenge, can we maybe take that to our, our time with the Lord this week? Pray that God would increase your desire to come alongside others in discipleship in this journey that God would tear down any pride that's preventing that in our life. And lastly, my third point is the church is the gospel made visible. The church is a display of his kingdom. It says in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the spirit. Wow, that as, as we're being built together, it's a process that takes time and it's a lot of work. But as we lean into Christ as the foundation, into our togetherness as followers of Jesus and our discipleship to him, to think that we would uh, be a place where God dwells. That we'd be a place where his spirit fills and moves and speaks. That people would experience God, the kingdom, that it would be like a taste of who he is. 
that God does something powerful in a community that's committed to Christ as the center, Christ as the cornerstone, as we aim for discipleship to him, as we worship him, as we sing together, as we're shaped by him, as we walk in obedience, when members of the church begin to not only enjoy and take seriously our own walk with Christ, but we uh, we care about our, our neighbor and we care about the impact of our uh, of our of sister churches in the community, when brothers and sisters are intentional and interested in the growth of those around them, God grows things in a way that we can never imagine. God does so much more than we could ever dream. That that's a type of community that is shaped and comes out of the gospel. Man, I want to be a, a community that is just birthed out of the gospel, that's shaped by it, that displays who God is. Scripture describes that idea as as ambassadors, that almost like uh, here on earth, we would be an embassy, that we would be representatives of, of the, the kingdom of God here on earth, in our city. He calls each of us ambassadors, that, that that's not just when we come into a Sunday morning gathering, that's not just when we come into our city group, but as we walk onto the soccer field, or as we walk into our, our classes here this week, as we start school, as you study in a coffee shop, as you care for your family member, that we're ambassadors, that we get the opportunity to represent God and, 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 and how Christ has changed us everywhere that we go in the everyday moments of life. I love Ephesians 3 describes that. It says, to, to me... Though I am the very least of all the saints, there's this humility we talked about. Paul saying that. <laughs> I'm the very least of all the saints. This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for the ages in God who created all things so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. There's a lot there, but there's this idea that we have this opportunity as we live out our faith, as we uh, keep Christ at the center, as we grow in community together, that we would display Jesus in a way that brings God absolute glory. And it's kind of like this. I, I ran into someone recently on one of my old streets um, here in Philly, and they shared how they had gone through a really rough patch over the last couple of years. They actually found themselves in a, um, they, they found themselves in a rescue mission, but it was a rescue mission full of um, followers of Jesus. And I loved hearing him just say, man, it was rock bottom for me. But as I walked into the place, there was just something different about the way they cared for one another and they cared for people around them. He was like, it's unlike anything I've ever, ever experienced. Like I, I grew up in church or I grew up in settings, but he said, man, this truly was just this genuine place where I could see and experience the presence of God. And I, I was filled with joy for this place that I've never been. I don't know those followers of Jesus, but just this joy that, man, that's the kingdom of God at work. That's people getting a taste of the unity that is brought when people come together 
in Christ and take seriously the idea that we're sent. Um, that that uh, I think it's important for us to realize that that the church is a primary, it is essential way in which God continues to work throughout um, throughout this world. That that we are continuing to be part of God's gospel work. Um, I think that the church is at the center of God's plan for the world. We aren't just part of the story, but listen to this, we are continuing, we're contributing to it. I think if you were to read the book of Acts, it gets to the end, and there's this idea that the story isn't over yet. As I said this morning, as we walk into this place, we are part of this church that continues to grow over the last 2,000 years. And isn't it exciting to think that God is still doing a mighty work? We talked about this weekend that, that it's as if the church is growing all over the world right now. But it's at, like in a decline, like there's a need for revival here in our own country. And isn't it exciting to not just say, well, I guess that's just the way it's going to be. But to recognize that, that God is preparing his people for such time as this. That the story's not over. Christ hasn't returned yet. So he's filling his churches. He's filling us with this opportunity to represent him to the world. So I'll say it this way, our aim is not the church, it's the kingdom. It's Christ's rule and reign throughout the world for eternity. That, that's what lasts. We say this here way at Bedrock, like the name Bedrock at some point, the church here that we're experiencing will have an end. But what we long for people here in Fishtown and throughout Philadelphia and throughout the world, through any future um, people that we send out, is that the name of Jesus would just continue forward. That the uh, second part of our vision as a church is to continue the legacy of Jesus. And so we pray that God would grow his body in such a way that he would allow us to multiply disciples in such a way that we would be able to send out more churches that one day God might call one of you out of your seat to be part of a, a, a new church community in a place that needs the gospel because God is moving still to, to draw people to him. In Ephesians 3, 20 through 21, it says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. As we close and the band comes up, we're going to enter into a time of prayer. Man, even just reminiscing this week, uh, Drew and I back several years ago, sitting in Moore's um, hot dog gas station, sitting at a booth together, praying about being part of God's kingdom and, and being part of new churches and new places and, and never uh, imagining where God would take us, but to be able to look around this room and, and see God answer those prayers, to see God um, just continue to grow a church here in Fishtown. It, it's just to see the different stories. I love sitting down with each of you and learning what God is doing in your heart to, to grow you in Christ's likeness. And I, I have this sense that it's just the beginning of what God is shaping and what God is, is doing here in this place. And we're excited to be part of his kingdom work that we're a church that's founded upon the gospel. We're united by the gospel. And we have, oh man, such an awesome opportunity to display it. Not through our power, 
through the Spirit, through Christ's story in us. The church is beautiful. It's so much more about what God has, has done and is doing than anything we could ever do or contribute because it's more about a people God is shaping than a place that we go. It's God's primary vessel and way in which he's extending his grace to the world. So I ask that you'd consider, man, what, what's my view of the church? Have I, have I seen it in that way? And I, I think I'm gonna, what I'd invite us to do is over the next few minutes, uh, we're, this series, We Are the Church, and, and as we talk about this unity that we have, I'm going to call us to a, a time of corporate prayer. I'm going to call us to, to get in pairs of two or three. And can we pray for God's kingdom to continue to, to grow? Can we boldly come before God together here in this place right now, acknowledging Christ, you're our foundation. Uh, would you help us to keep you at the center? Would you help us to, to come together, lay down any pride, any, any selfishness, and, and may you just help us to lean in. And God, would you grow your church? So would you take just a moment, grab two or three people, um, brother or sister next to you, and, and take time to pray that. Then I'll come back together and we'll, we'll close here in a moment.